0: Welcome to the Ramon Foster Show, brought to you by the Get-Go Cafe and Market, where they're open for business, serving hot, fresh food
1: 24-7. Ramon's in California. Ooh, let me tell you, living the park life, guys. Living the park life.
0: <laughs> what does that mean, living the park life?
1: <laughs> that's, that's saying going at 10 o'clock and not leaving until about eleven fifteen at night. That's the park what life park? right there. Uh, what, park? what are you talking about?
0: Like an amusement park? Oh, amusement yeah, park! We did. Oh, okay. Yeah,
1: yeah, not not camping life. We're doing amusement park, like roller coaster rides and games. Yes, it was a long day yesterday. Although my kids did actually oh. go camping, and I don't really think they understand what camping really involves. So <laughs> we'll see about that one day.
0: Well, I'll tell you what, Moan. Our our people who. Take in this program on a daily basis. We're really rattled by the lack of a Ramon Foster show <laughs> yesterday. So here's what we're going to do to make it up to them.
1: What?
0: Mitchell Johnson yeah. sent this. Into into the YouTube channel where he said, I would love for the next episode to be about how Deontay Johnson isn't just the most undervalued and underappreciated player for the Steelers, but how he might also be the most undervalued wide receiver in the NFL Mm. CBS top 100 players has him at 70th, which is above DeAndre freaking Hopkins, A.J. Brown, Mike Evans, and oh, yeah, Minka Fitzpatrick. I can't wait to see him be able to utilize his full route tree instead of all the dink and dunk he had to do last season. So what Mitch is saying here is this is what the show has to be about. and. I guess it's just Mitch's show. Like, even beyond the Hey, Moan segment, Mitch has just hijacked the opening to this particular program. Uh, What say you, Moan? Is he he underappreciated or overvalued or what? I go back and forth on him.
1: Man, it, it could be. I think it's a fine line between both. Can I agree that he, you know, doesn't get as much fanfare as some of the other guys? Yeah, but he has gotten some, too. I think it's been, honestly, the lack of just extended playoff rides that Pittsburgh has has had. I think you also have the idea, you know, Chase Claypool has been there. Last year, as far as his value goes, a lot of it went towards the running game where they were just trying to give Najee the ball. A lot of it was, of course, the short passes that were thrown his way. His ability to get guys to move off the spot in his route to free himself up, I don't think is it's valued enough. I think when you look at his talent, when you look at his take on a slow reel, meaning that you have the ability to sit back and just kind of watch him do work, you'll see a guy that can be very, very, very dynamic. But it did get kind of shadowed a little bit by the fact that the offense was a little stagnant. I agree with him that if this offense does have the ability to pick it up, and I'll say the name, well, I won't say the name that gets you Ticking a little bit, DK, uh, MC, I'll just use his initials, but it's going to be on him to kind of explore it <laughs> yes. a little bit. <laughs> I'll, I'll um, the, the job that has to be done by this offense this year, I think we outlined that last week, man. Just And, and even I got a little heated about it as far as is a lot of young talent on this team. From the tight ends to the running back to the wide receivers and I'd even go as far as his offensive line. Those guys are mostly in year four, five and six, except for Dan Moore, man. Um, so having Deontay be the forefront, I remember when AB finally got his role and not just his role, you saw his targets go up in practice. You saw his targets go up in the games and not just that, man, I think all wide receivers have the ability to make plays if they have that type of talent. But when Ben finally exploited AB's talent and along with AB's work ethic, that's when we saw a quarterback wide receiver tandem, man, that hasn't been matched by other players Others, other than maybe Devontae and Aaron Aaron Rodgers, I mean, there's a few guys that have those type of guys. And if he gets long enough time with either Mitch or either Kenny Pickett, then we might see that. Like, when, when we look at those guys, it's been more of a who's going to carve out their own role, if I can be honest with you. Chase Claypool has the ability to be that yeah, one, that- but nobody's really carved out that role of being a one
0: you know and the, the yeah the key to that and i think the reason to 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 try to answer what mitch brought up about the recognition and everything else yeah recognition in football comes from splash splash gets you on the highlight shows at the end of Sunday yeah. night, they only show sometimes, you know, in the halftime on this on, on the NBC broadcast, they only show one or two plays from one each game, sometimes just one. And, and it's yeah. just the tail end of it. OK, and yeah. Deontay doesn't make it onto those. Okay, he's no. not he's not that guy. I, mean, I think he can be. We have seen him get the deep ball. We have seen him do that. You know what I'm talking when he catches the ball That's and he does the curl back. Yeah. And he gets a lot, yeah, and he gets a lot of yards after the catch, but ultimately you got to take it to the house. And when I think mm-hmm. of, you know, the guys that are wide receivers that I can't take my eyes off are people like Debo Samuel, D.K. Metcalf, guys like that. Because you think every time they touch it, they're going to yep. go. Yep. They're going to go. And and that, to me, is the separator. I think that's why Deontay doesn't get the recognition.
1: Okay, so is it okay for a wide receiver to have, what is it called, death by a thousand cuts when it comes down to receiving yards then? Because that seems to be his, his recipe sure the last couple it is. of years. It like, can you be I, a true I, dominant guy? I think that's guy? who he is. Mm-hmm. Okay, so with mm-hmm. that being said, when we're when, if if we're speaking about why he's undervalued and who's going to do what, if we're being honest, right now in Pittsburgh, it's a two wide receiver race when trying to figure out who's still going to be number one. I think the, the the receptions might point to Deontay, but I think that P word potential kind of points to to Chase uh, Claypool. Am I correct in saying that? And if we're looking at the two, absolutely. Claypool, Claypool might have the biggest breakaway just talent, but it seems that Deontay is a better polished wide receiver when it comes down to catching the ball and making a playoff of it. We had not seen it consistently. I think all of us, including the national media, long for Chase Claypool to make those plays, and yet no, neither one of them have consistently established that. And Deontay has had a whole lot of reps. But to your point, where's the highlight? We remember distinctly seeing A.B. catch a slant and going all the way. You know, we've seen guys do this. That's what Cheetah does. That's what Devontae Adams does. Those, pay hey, end of half deep ball plays. If we're going to charge M.C. to make that happen, then I don't know if we're going to get that because he's still grooming a new quarterback in the system. So, it goes back to, again, DK, the undervaluation of them. You can say, okay, well, maybe it was Ben throwing short routes. Or well, what if that honestly is MC's offense moving forward? What Where's the deep ball? Because that's what's going to get you paid. Well, we saw this time and time yeah, again. That's, that's what got Mike Wallace paid, right? Thing.
0: Yeah. Well, yeah, the one-trick pony, right? And one more, one more um, real I, quick. I'll, I'll say Secretary this. Terry,
1: Terry McLaurin. And, yeah. and Washington, that's what he does.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, no question. And what you need to get, I, I think, out of Deontay is is more frequent splash, even more consistency. But by that, I mean through the season, not falling off the way he has the last two years. But the one thing you can't take away from him, listen, anybody can do all the rankings and everything else. Math is math. He was the 10th leading wide receiver in the nfl last season he was eighth when it came to yards after the catch uh numbers do not lie when we come back more football welcome back to the ramon foster show we like this topic we're gonna keep it going under mitchell's orders And talk a little bit about just the general concept of overvaluing and undervaluing guys. Because there are two different ways, I think, to look at that, Moan. One is from the outside. Like, what what do people like uh, me and Mitchell, who's running this show, and everybody else say about a guy? How do we look at him? Which, honestly, doesn't matter. Right, And then how do they get valued on the inside? How do they get valued by the people with the pocketbooks?
1: (laughs) Um, I I think, honestly, it's a fine line. I've seen guys come into this league, man, and have tremendous splash. I'm talking about this guy is going to be the next guy. Or you see a running back, man, that the fan base falls in love with. And you're like, we must have this guy on our team. And then the next year is, lo and behold, what happened to him? The, the league is ever-changing. The The value of guys honestly can go from whether the team wins or loses, whether the offensive coordinator knows how to call the plays, whether it's simply turnover after turnover that really causes a guy to kind of fall off. One or two fumbles in a season can turn an overvalued wide receiver into an undervalued one just that quick at the snap of your finger, man. We've had a few guys, man, that's come through Pittsburgh that's had really good value. Uh, and I'll name one just in general. And it's no no slight whatsoever. But when Le'Veon was in Pittsburgh, Le'Veon was probably at the, his highest of highest when it came down to his ability to make plays, his ability to extend drives, his ability to just run the ball. And so the valuation of him, I think, was through the roof. You go to a team, whether it was him or whether it was the team and system, like the New York Jets. And the next thing you know, you're being cut after halfway through the season. So, what's the true valuation of a player if it if it translates from if it doesn't translate from one team to another? Another one of my guys, and he had a real good career. Honestly, had has the longest touchdown in Baltimore Ravens history. I think with Mike Wallace. I mean, you had a team like Miami. I think that paid him first, and his valuation through the roof, seventy plus million dollars. And a couple years later, it was you know he was on another team in Minnesota. So there and then right after that, it was um, it it was Baltimore. So what's valuation of a guy? It's really year to year. It's the consistency of trying to stay in this league. And it's a very fine line of a guy uh, that I'll be honest with you, like uh, 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 if you stay in one system like B.J. Finney. I thought his valuation with Pittsburgh was absolutely through the roof. Within two years, he was, I mean, within a year, he was on two different teams, going from Seattle to uh, to the, to, to the uh, Cincinnati Bengals. So, again, your valuation sometimes, if unless you're just an all-star, all-world, all-pro type of guy, it may honestly just be the system in which you play with. I think we're looking at a situation right now with Debo Samuels in, in San Francisco. I think they are telling him, look, you're able to do these things because Shanahan has the system that fits your athletic ability. You go to another team and I think it's totally different. I think he still makes plays because that team who pays him to go to another team is going to make sure he make those plays. But watching him do work right now in San Francisco or another guy like Kadera Patterson who's almost out of the league. He goes to Atlanta with Arthur Smith. He turns into a running back, wide receiver, tight end, kick returner, all within one player, and makes the Pro Bowl. So it's very circumstantial valuation, overvaluing and undervaluing a guy. So it's I don't want to call well, it. Well, let's talk a little bit about, about overvaluing.
0: Yeah, yeah, overvaluing a guy, uh, Le'Veon Bell overvalued himself, his vag- his agent overvalued his worth when they approached the Steelers with the hilarious notion that he should be paid both a running back salary and a wide receiver salary. Um, No, (laughs) because you're playing the same amount of snaps. Now, touches are valuable, and Lev had tons of touches, but he also had some of the worst representation in National Football League history for all the money that it cost him. And it's, you know, ultimately, Moan, the only people who do the valuation that matter are the ones that are signing the checks. And there are only 32 of those. They've got the only evaluations that count. When we come back on the Ramon Foster Show, it's Hey Moan. Welcome back to the Ramon Foster Show. It's time for the Hey Moan segment. You can tell how much fun we have here. Uh, Today's comes from Preacher Rob, and he says, Hey Moan, I recently read an article about NFL rookie meals and the cost, and I'm curious if you have any stories about this or had to pay for the meal yourself. Thanks for all the hard work you guys put into this show. Uh, I'm gonna b- before before you can tackle that one, and buying you a second here to think of something. Uh, what preacher Rob is referencing here is Garrett Wilson, uh, wide receiver of the Jets, uh, mm-hmm. saying on a podcast recently that he understood and actually was very surprised to find out that he had to take all the wide receivers to a to a place to eat and that it was going to run him up $75,000.
1: Wow. Ooh, yeah, uh, I've heard other stories be kind of that bad when numbers are that high where you have older guys, I'm going to just call them this, old heads come in. They're usually the vets that will come in and order a steak raw and leave with the meat or just order a bottle of wine that's about $2,000 just to, you know, take a sip of it and leave it at the table. You call it a rite of passage. You call it whatever you want to. I like to call it extortion. Okay. Because raw, they leave with the steak raw so they can have it like for a cookout. (laughs) Really? What? Oh, yes, man. I've heard this. I'll be I'll be straight up. With you. That's never happened in Pittsburgh to that extent. I've heard of some stuff happening here or there, but it never got that bad. We before I got to Pittsburgh, there was one situation that kind of went over the top and that was when coach Tomlin kind of stepped in a little bit and put a governor on you know those type of thing going on as far as the meeting I mean as far as those dinners go it we never got out of control like that uh my my rookie year I ended up having to um uh, we had a dinner it was it was Craig Urbic it was AQ Shipley and myself we were the three young linemen that had to put on the uh, rookie dinner for these guys. We had to get, like, Louis thirteen bottles. Everybody had their own custom bottle of, of, of spirits that they wanted, whether it was some Moet champagne or whether it was some Cristal or whether it was some Jack Daniels. Everybody had their specific thing that they wanted. We had to gift wrap it a little bit, DK. We had to, like, make reservations at this expensive uh, restaurant, to have a private room in the back, we had to present them with their bottles of of, of spirits and 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 wines and whatnot. Uh, our breakdown was this: as far as we had to pay, it was three. It was three different tiers because Craig was first. He paid twelve. I paid six, and Aq Shipley, since he was on practice squad that first year, he paid two thousand. So in all, in all, that was a twenty thousand dollar dinner. Um, but well, hello,
0: hello, hang on a second. Hang on. AQ Shipley paid two grand. What was he getting as a practice squad guy? <laughs> like uh, it's not
1: hey, it's not significantly more than that. But this was later in the season. He had saved up a few checks. I think AQ has some money he was making off the side with like appearances and stuff like that. So the 2K he was able to do. By the way, Super Bowl champion AQ Shipley now, by the way, with the Tampa Bay Bucks. But it All in all, it was fair. It was – Craig paid the most because he was a draft pick and got the big signing bonus. I was actively on the roster, so I paid next, uh, the next tier in AQ. Being a practice squad guy, although he was a draft pick – he ended up paying 2K. We try to always make it fair, and our biggest thing was okay, this is becoming a waste. You know, there's no way we need to be spending this type of money. I think the young guys now, when we were coming, when I was bringing them through, they didn't pay any more than like 5K. I've heard of guys just doing an insane amount, like having to take the older guys out of town, having to foot the bill. Those types of things didn't happen in Pittsburgh to where it just got out of hand. Coach Tomlin really did a, I'm talking about a really good job of making. Older guys, including myself, understand, look, these guys are trying to survive in this league. You can't be making these dudes go pay this type of money for stuff that's going to be flushed down the toilet. Why don't we even do something like that? So if they're doing it with the Jets, I can understand it. I've heard it happening at other places where they got to, you know, charter a private flight to Miami and pay for the rookie trip. If, if you're paying anything over like $20,000 for a deal, for for a dinner, for a group, I think that's a little bit above and beyond. But everybody has yeah, their own right of passage. That I,
0: yeah. Yeah. I, I'm impressed that it's the head coach who takes the initiative in, in this one, in this case, because a lot of times, and, and for, for people who aren't, you know, Close to these situations or inside locker rooms or whatever, most of this sort of thing tends to get handled by uh, assistant coaches, positional coaches, people who are closer. In this case, in the Steelers case in general, it is the head coach. He is Mm -hmm. right there. In people's faces at all times, which is why I never stop rolling my eyes when people talk about lack of accountability or players, coach, and and the yeah. the code word that that represents. This no, is he, this he is laid, the most
1: involved, engaged. Yep, he laid down the law with that one man, and I, I'm glad he did because it was to be. There's no real reason to do it, DK, other than the fact, congratulations, you're making a whole lot of money these days. Like, that's the only thing. We bring enough Gatorade and water to the meetings that everybody should be fine anyway. But it does happen, just not in Pittsburgh like that anymore.
0: Wow, Moan, this was good. Let's do another one tomorrow. What do you say? You still, you're going to be surfing and stuff? Is that what you're doing out there? DK, I'll be watching people
1: surf, is what I'll be doing. Got it. You got it.